Hey, you're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in and around the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles throughout the week. And then we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is episode 16 of Make and Multiply, and I want to talk about asking good questions. This is an essential part of making and multiplying disciples, whether that is happening in a more formal context, like a biblical counseling situation, uh, an informal context, just a a relationship, a friendship with a a friend or a neighbor, uh, or somewhere in between, like our discipleship huddles, where there's a defined time and a specific group of people that meets regularly, asking good questions is essential to uh, really living out what we mean by or, or how we measure the, the rubric that we use for measuring progress in making and multiplying disciples. I don't remember who I first heard this from. If I did, I'd give them credit, but we've adopted this as the, the measure for our progress in disciple making. How do you measure that uh, outcome. And the question that we use is a simple question. How many of these people do I know well enough to know where they most need the gospel of Jesus Christ? How many of these people do I know well enough? Do I know functional saviors that they're tempted to trust in? Do I know uh, the specific attitudes of unbelief that they wrestle with the most? Do I know their story? And am I familiar with some of the things that God has been doing in their life? Um, over the long term and more recently, do I know where they most need to understand the good news of Jesus Christ and the implications of that for for them and where they're at in life right now? So when we use that as our rubric uh, of measuring progress, do I know these people well enough to know where they need the gospel? Then the practical question is, well, how do I get to know people better in order to know where they need the gospel? And the answer to that, practically speaking, is by asking good questions and listening carefully to the answers that people give. So this goes along with episode 14, where we talked about listening for the heart. When somebody's talking, we want to be listening carefully for the heart because we know that the heart is what drives all of our our living um, and, and our belief comes from the heart. So we're always getting down to the root. But in order to listen for the heart, the other person has to be talking about the right things. And asking good questions is a way of drawing that out. Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So disciple makers are people of understanding who know how to wield questions carefully and creatively to draw out um, what is in the heart of another person. So some of this material uh, is based on chapter 9 in Paul Tripp's book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. And if you want to go through this in more depth and at a slower pace, I would encourage you check out that chapter. Uh, That book is a tremendous resource. The subtitle is something like People in Need of Change, helping people who need to change. And and it's, it's a great book with resources on uh, engaging with other people in meaningful, redemptive gospel relationships. So check out Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. Uh, chapter 9 is all about asking good questions as you get to know somebody. A lot of that material is boiled down in Appendix 5, Ask Good Questions in Our Discipleship Huddle Guides, and, and that's based on the DNA Guide by Saturate Resources. So check out that material. 
uh, a lot of this is what we call in biblical counseling data gathering. Uh, Proverbs 18.13 tells us, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. If somebody blurts out the answer before they've heard the actual question, that usually comes out of a place of pride and arrogance, but it is a humbling, uh, shameful thing to blurt out the, the, the answer only to find out that what you're talking about is not what somebody else was actually asking. And so that's a reminder to us that it is wise to listen carefully first before launching into some kind of answer or explanation. And and this is what Jesus modeled for us in ministry when he engaged with other people. In particular, on the Emmaus Road, uh, where we get the name of our church, the Luke 24 story, uh, the day that Jesus was raised from the dead, there were two disciples who were disheartened and disillusioned. And they had heard rumors of the resurrection, but they didn't stick around Jerusalem to see if those rumors were true. They set out for a village about seven miles outside of Jerusalem, a village called Emmaus. And Jesus caught up with them on the road. But before he taught them anything, before he revealed anything to them, before he made any pronouncement at all, he asked them questions. Uh, Verse 17, he, he started by just asking them, what is this conversation that you're having with each other as you walk along the way? Uh, They responded incredulously with a kind of rhetorical question of their own. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? And and he responded again with a question because he was serious. He, He just said, what things? Not because he didn't know what had happened, but because he wanted to draw out their understanding, their interpretation of those events. And so then he listened carefully to them as they recounted what had happened in Jerusalem. And then he spoke into that situation, corrected their misunderstandings, and revealed himself to them. So a a basic rule of thumb that comes from the the Saturate Resources in Appendix 5 in our Discipleship Huddle Guides, uh, a rule of thumb is ask 10 questions for every pronouncement. So as with any rule of thumb, you don't have to follow this legalistically or rigidly, but it's a helpful guide to hold in your mind just to uh, restrain yourself when you're thinking about some assertion or pronouncement to make, just consider, have I asked enough questions? Do I really understand what's going on here? The the greatest barrier to good question asking is assuming. And we all know what assuming does. Uh, That is the, the greatest obstacle to asking good questions. And one of the things that unlocks good question asking is just stripping away our assumptions. As soon as you... Uh, consciously and intentionally tell yourself, I I don't know what's going on. I don't necessarily know what the other person means. That will make you a very inquisitive, curious, interested person. And you will naturally want to clarify uh, terms and clarify what the other person means by what they're saying. and, And you'll want to know more information. So when you strip away assumptions, it takes intentionality to do that because uh, we unconsciously make assumptions and we have to very consciously uh, overcome those assumptions and and we do that by asking questions. So Paul Tripp gives three areas. He he says, um, ask the other person to define their terms. And oftentimes we do that with a what question. And and the example Tripp gives is, you know, imagine you're in a conversation with somebody who says, oh, you know, my, my husband and I got in a huge fight. 
Uh, if you assume based on your own life experiences what huge fight means, uh, you're, you're going to be missing crucial information. Uh, think about what huge fight could be referring to. Uh, for some, that might mean raised voices and slamming doors. Uh, for others, that might mean you know, a huge fight might look like three days of silent treatment. Uh, it could mean that holes were punched in the wall. It could mean that there was physical abuse happening. Huge fight just doesn't tell us enough. And so when we strip away the assumptions, we want other other people to define their terms. So we, you could use all kinds of examples for this. Imagine in, in your discipleship huddle, somebody says, I'm struggling with purity. Oftentimes, just out of politeness and embarrassment, we all just assume we know what that means. And it, it takes some courage to ask in a forthright way, the other person to define what they mean. Uh, are they talking about lustful thoughts? Are they are they suggesting that they have a porn addiction? Do they mean that they are having an affair? Uh, we can't just assume that we know what somebody means. If somebody says, I feel depressed, that could have a range of, of meaning. So that mean they just have a, a general gloomy feeling lately? Does it mean that they're actually staying in bed and missing work? Does that mean that they're struggling with suicidal thoughts? We just can't assume that we know. We always want to ask people to define their terms. And then we want to clarify um, when, when you get rid of assumptions, you, you want clarifications and, and we always want to ask for specific and concrete examples. So again, uh, if somebody says that, um, you know, I, I tend to lose my my temper, what does that look like? We want concrete examples. What what do you do when you lose your temper? Are you talking about raising your voice, slamming doors, punching the wall, uh, physically abusing somebody? We, we want specific examples of, of what is actually happening uh, when you lose your temper. And then we want explanations, just getting closer to the heart, asking why. What, what was the driving motive? Um, what were the values? What were you wanting? What were you hoping to accomplish when you acted in that way? So uh, define, clarify, explain. And again, when you very intentionally remind yourself you don't know what's going on, you, you strip away those assumptions, uh, you make it a rule of thumb to ask a bunch of questions before you make any pronouncement, you will become a much more curious person. And by being curious, questions will come to mind. Another piece of wisdom to apply here is when you're asking questions, think deep and wide. Um, by asking wide questions, extensive questions, we're just covering all the areas of a person's life. One acronym that uh, I keep in mind is PREACH, P-R-E-A-C-H. Uh, P is for physical, what's going on in the, their, their physical well-being, um, diet and sleep and possible illness and whatever else. What's the physical component here? Uh, the R stands for resources. What resources does this person have available to them? Um, what have they tried? Uh, what other counsel are they getting? Uh, what, what resources are they taking advantage of? E is for emotional. What, what are they feeling as they're going through this situation or this challenge or whatever? What, what's going on emotionally? A is for action. Uh, what are they doing? How are they acting? C is conceptual. What are they thinking? What are their specific thoughts and beliefs about what's going on? And then H is historical. So how long has this been going on and how often is this occurring? Uh, so th those are ways of just asking broadly uh, extensive wide questions to get um, the full scope 
but then asking deeper questions, digging a little bit more deeply into specific areas through intensive questioning. If you start to identify a particular area that needs to be explored further, then you can ask a line of questions that kind of draw out the heart and, and um, look for more information in particular specific areas. It, it's wise to ask open-ended questions that somebody can't answer with a simple yes or no. Uh, the goal of asking questions is just to put the ball back in their court and let them talk and share and express so that you can listen for the heart. Uh, if you ask yes or no questions, the other person's not talking and so the heart is not being expressed. It's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks, so we're trying to ask questions that allow the other person time and space to speak openly so that we can get to the heart. So uh, last thought on asking good questions. We're all familiar with newspaper questions from, you know, since elementary school, uh, who, what, where, when, why, and how. So we know the types of questions that exist, but knowing how to use them uh, or what they're used for is important. And so what and when questions can be used to gather more information and to clarify, like we've already talked about, just clarifying specific details. What happened and what did you do and, and when exactly did you begin to raise your voice or, or when exactly did this transpire? Uh, what happened next? Th those are just gathering some of the facts of what was going on. Um, how questions are the questions we use to, to clarify with those concrete examples. How did you respond? And then again, ask the person to be specific. Um, and you can always just say, hey, I don't want to assume that I know what you mean. Can you tell me exactly what, what you mean and what you did? Uh, why questions are the questions that get down to the, the root motive and the underlying desire Saturate resources refers to this as the why shovel because it's it's the question that digs down to the root issue that's going on. So a couple of warnings about the why question. Uh, if you're not careful, why can be asked in a in a judgmental, even rhetorical way. Um, why did you do that? Like you know that that was stupid. Um, so we're not asking it in that way. It can also be really annoying like a toddler who just keeps asking why, why, why. So we want to be careful that we're using it thoughtfully. And that involves just being aware that why is always drawing out both cause and purpose. So why can be used in the sense of, um, you know, why did you raise your voice as in what provoked you to, what caused you to, what transpired that, that brought that about. Uh, and why can also be used in a purpose sense? Why did you raise your voice? As in, um, what were you hoping to accomplish? What was your purpose in raising your voice? And so you don't even necessarily have to use the word why. You, you can get at both cause and purpose, um, you know, with the word what, what provoked you or what were you hoping to accomplish? So the more important thing is just knowing we're trying to get down to root desires, underlying motives. Um, and, and then one other warning, why can be accusatory, if you're not careful. Uh, imagine a husband and wife, the wife says, I feel sad right now, and the husband responds, why? Um, that tone of voice, that one word question is not inviting conversation. It's it's communicating what's wrong with you. Why can't you just get over it? And so we, we wanna use why in ways that draw out and communicate genuine care for the other person. Uh, and then questions like when and where uh, or, or maybe more specifically, how often, um, those kinds of questions can help us identify patterns and themes. Oftentimes, life-dominating sins 
people struggle with them at particular times, maybe of loneliness or rejection, um, maybe certain times of day or when they find themselves all alone and, you know, the roommates or family members are gone. Uh, when do you struggle with this most often? Or where were you when this happened? Or how often do you react in this way? That can help identify some of those underlying patterns and themes, which will get us closer to identifying areas of unbelief and then ultimately the specific hope of the gospel that's needed. So that's a, a bunch of practical stuff just on asking questions. But again, that reminder to us from Proverbs 18, 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. As soon as you get rid of your assumptions, you become a, a very curious and inquisitive person. And asking questions, the aim, the purpose of that really is to move us forward in knowing one another well enough to know where we most need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles, missional communities, or gospel fluency, please email me at ryan at emmausroadsf.com. And if you're not currently part of a huddle or MC, let me know and I would love to help you get connected. If you're interested in more, you can find this content in our discipleship huddle guide, which is based on the DNA guide by Saturate Resources. The music on this episode is called Everywhere by Lee Rosevere and it's used under a Creative Commons license.